to be sure to sing a couple of songs. It was the first two that they did after the announcement, the uh, uh, Oh Holy Night, and then uh, Mary Did You Know. I asked them to do that. They said, I think we can work on that and get that done for you. And uh, Eliza, you did a great job with it. Where's Eliza? Where'd she go? Okay, yeah, did a great job with that. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I was picturing the, the guys doing that, but uh, good to see you here this morning. Merry Christmas, by the way. What, what, a, what a great day to join together, really, you know. It's uh, having a Sunday worship service on Christmas Day. It's uh, kind of different for us, and uh, glad that you guys are, are, are joining us here. Uh, some of the family, our, our church family, is home with their family opening gifts right now or, you know, preparing their turkey and ham or whatever, but we're here together to worship our Lord and praise Him, amen, so it's just an awesome time to be together. Uh, guys, would you, um, before we actually move further into our service, why don't you guys just take a moment to stand and greet one another? Merry Christmas and good morning, amen? Great day to join together. This morning, guys, we are going to begin our study out of Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. You know, there's so many different uh, passages in the uh, New Testament, Matthew and Luke, of course, that we can choose from, other Old Testament passages as well. And we're going to have a, a mixture of all of that this morning. But you know, one, one of the things that we... And, and I think I share this with you guys every Christmas, you know, just the idea that as wonderful as it is, and, and we cannot, there, there's no way that we can overdo the glorious aspect of the appearing of Jesus, the Messiah. He came as a baby, of course. And we're going to, in this passage, we're going to be looking at, we're going to see the uh, announcement from the angel to the shepherds and then the, the, the host of heaven, you know, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, and, 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 and that. And, and we, we, can't, we can't overstate and we can too easily understate the reality of the glory of what that is. You know, but what we want to do is to be able to talk about what's really going on here. It's not just the birth of a baby in a stable who's placed in, the mar in, in a manger because there was no room for the baby in the end or no room for the family in the end. I mean, this, this, uh, um, this, this family, which had no means, 
Now, having to travel from Galilee, from Nazareth and Galilee to Jerusalem, I'm excuse me, to Bethlehem, not too far from Jerusalem, uh, because that's where Joseph's family was from. Uh, Mar Mary's too, actually, as we look at the, the, uh, the scriptures there, the first part of Matthew and Luke. But the point is that they had no means, they're traveling on a donkey, Mary is nine months pregnant, what a time to have to travel that distance. And, and they had to be kind of saying, man, Lord, couldn't they have done this census like two weeks from now or a month from now or whatever, right? You know, and by the time they get there, no room in the inn and so forth. You guys know the story. But it's more than that, isn't it? There is a reason that Jesus was born. And we cannot ever celebrate Christmas without thinking about, first of all, Good Friday. And of course, secondly, Easter Sunday. All of that is ahead of him. All of that is ahead of us. That's the reason that he came. But I, I've asked you to open up to Luke 2. Would you stand with me as we read Luke 2, verses 8 through 14? That's, that's where we're going to start. And we stand in honor of God's word. That, that's a tradition that uh, was begun by Ezra the priest as in, in the book of Nehemiah the people standing as the word of God was read. Now, think of this. They were standing as the entire five books of Moses was being read. Okay, Genesis through Deuteronomy. That took a while. So if, if you're thinking I'm reading a little bit too slowly and you'd like to sit down, just think of that. We'll, we'll be able to sit down. And obviously some can't stand and that's fine. But if you can... We'll be standing in honor of God's word. And I'm going to read verses 8 through 14 as we begin. Verse 8, and I'm reading out of the New King James Version of God's word. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings, or a great message, as Renato would like to say it. Good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, of course, Bethlehem, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And Father, as we look at this passage and, and the following passages, others that we'll look into today, we pray that you'll speak to our hearts. We pray, Lord, that your word would be implanted upon our hearts, that the glory of this morning as we celebrate the, the birth of the Christ, the Messiah, our Lord, our Savior, 
as we celebrate his birth and all that that means, God, fill our hearts with joy. Fill our hearts with peace. Fill our hearts with hope that can only come through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Might his name be lifted up. Might he be praised. Might we be blessed. And we ask it all in his precious name. Amen. Amen. You guys may be seated. So we see after the birth of Jesus, and and we see there in verse 7 that taking place. Um, As Luke writes this, he he writes it so matter-of-factly. Verse 7 says, And she brought forth her firstborn son, and all that, 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 that took place before that, you know, going to the end, no room in the end, there's a stable in the back, and so forth. And, and, and so they went to the stable. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Then we see Luke beginning to write how the announcement was made by the angel, and probably the angel Gabriel, the same angel who came to Joseph, the same angel who came to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, the same angel who came to Mary. And so this is the fourth appearance of an angel to people of Israel in at least 400 years, because God had been silent. The prophets had come, Malachi or if you're Italian, Italian, Malachi, Malachi, the the final prophet before uh, the Lord Jesus Christ would come. But 400 years, four entire centuries of silence from God. Not that nothing was going on, a lot was happening, but no word directly from God during that time. And finally, the angel comes, first, of course, to to Zechariah, and then to uh, uh, Joseph, to Mary, and so forth. And now, to the shepherds. At this time in Israel, the uh, uh, religious leaders of Israel looked at shepherds as very low-class citizens, looked at them as liars, as thieves, and as unclean, because the fact of having to to handle unclean animals, and all that was taking, all that um, was required of a shepherd to do, is they, they they were seen as low class citizens. And it's interesting how God made the announcement to them. It didn't go to a meeting of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders. It didn't go to, to anyone other than these who are of the lower scale of the citizenry there in the Jerusalem area, the Bethlehem area. They were in the shepherds, the, the, the fields outside of, of Bethlehem. Any of you who may have taken a trip to Israel, you know, anytime we stop there in, in, in Bethlehem, we don't go into the city of Bethlehem because uh, normally we don't because Bethlehem is is uh, basically uh, ruled by the Palestinians, and there can be some problems. But there's a place that we bring the bus, and it's on a little hill overlooking Bethlehem in the background, but some fields there 
right there close by and could have been the very field where these shepherds were watching their sheep by night and in that very area where the angel came and made this announcement that we just read. There was an, early, an earlier announcement made to Mary in Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through verse 38. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall, and shall call his name Jesus, which of course is in the Hebrew, Yeshua, or Joshua. If you have if anybody today who has a name Joshua, that's, that's the name Jesus. Um, of course, there are uh, some Hispanics who are actually named Jesus, and um, we have one in our fellowship. Jesus, God bless you. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, which means... God is salvation. That's what the name means. Well, you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, as we see in these two announcements, some things are said about Jesus and who he is. Um, to, to Mary, he, the, the angel said, He will be great, the son of the highest, of his kingdom there will be no end. And then speaks about the virgin birth, that he will be called the son of God, uh, and, and, and so forth. The reality that for, for with God, nothing will be impossible. And it's as if the angel was explaining this to Mary and included the reality that, that Elizabeth, a distant relative of Mary, was now pregnant in her old age, in her, in her sixth month. And he's basically saying, if the Lord can give her a child, he can do this to you for you as well, even though you've not known a man. Because the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And by the Holy Spirit, this baby will be placed into your womb. And that is why he will be called the Son of God. The only begotten of the Father. And so, Mary receiving this announcement. And then the angels, of course, uh, excuse me, the shepherds receiving this announcement from the angel. Note in verse 9 there in Luke chapter 2. An angel of the Lord stood before them. Now there was one angel bringing this announcement. An angel stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. 
the glory of the Lord shone around the shepherds as they received this message from this angel. So it wasn't that they just, they didn't just behold the glory of the Lord. The glory shone around them, that, that, that what we would call the Shekinah glory from the Old Testament, or, you know, the Chicano glory. The Shekinah glory of God shining around them. Now, can you guys imagine what that was like? And it wasn't like the, the transfiguration that, that, that Peter, James, and John saw on that mountain when Jesus was transformed and, and, and Elijah and Moses was there with him talking and they, they saw the brightness of the glory uh, coming from them, Jesus in particular. But they just witnessed it. Here, these shepherds are surrounded by the glory of God. Imagine that. We can't. I mean, we, we, we don't know what that kind of glory is like, really, other than just reading about it. And we, we know that when in, in the world to come, when, when all this is done, and, you know, R R Renato was kind of speaking about that a little bit in, in, in the sense of the hope that we have, right? We have this hope in the future. We're going to spend eternity with Christ because of what he has done for us. He was born to do those things for us, so to secure for us our future with God throughout all eternity. Then when this world, when this earth is destroyed and, and, and all, and there's a new heaven and a new earth as we see in the book of Revelation, there's going to be no sun because the glory of God himself is going to provide the light. It's always going to be that light, the very glory of God. You know, and what are we taught about the sun? Don't look at the sun. You're going to mess up your eyes. It's too bright. And, and that is just minuscule in brightness in comparison with the glory of God. It, it's hard for us to imagine that. Now, obviously, the glory of the Lord shone around them. It wasn't that intense. It, God had to protect these, these, these shepherds. So it, it was lessened a veil, so to speak, between them and the actual glory so that they, their eyes wouldn't be destroyed, so that they would not perish because of the incredible glory of God. Yet, they experienced something that we have not and we never will in this world. But we will someday because of our faith in Jesus Christ. It's just an, an, an amazing, uh, amazing thing. Verse 11, a Savior who is Christ the Lord has been born. The long-awaited Messiah, the Savior, that's all wrapped up in who the, who the Messiah is, but Christ the Lord, of course, this, this, is, this becomes such a, a, a familiar term for us that we miss the real meaning of it because, you know, in the, in the Hebrew... Mashiach or Messiah, as we would say it in English. But the Jewish Messiah had been born. This Messiah that the Jews were waiting for for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. They had been promised by God that the Messiah would come and deliver them. They, of course, were expecting a, a political del deliverance. And at this point in time, they were hoping that the Messiah would come to deliver them from the oppression of Rome and, and all that, right? But God had something different in mind. We would be delivered from the oppression of sin. 
But this Messiah had finally been born. And it is these lowly shepherds who receive the announcement from this angel. This one who will save you from your sins has been born. This one who is king of kings and lord of lords has been born. And then we see in verses 13 and 14 there in Luke chapter 2. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, note something with me. Luke writes, they were praising God and saying, not singing, saying. We often envision this heavenly host singing these words of, cha of verse 14. But they're saying them. And they could have sung something else. I don't know, but it's not included in God's word. God's word, they were saying it. They were making a declaration. They, they, they were praising their God and ours, the one and true living God. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And the only way peace is going to come on earth is because of the reality of the birth of this baby. And not just simply because he was born, but because of what he would do in his life. Living a perfect life, sinless as a spotless lamb of God, that he would go to that cross that we talk about on Good Friday. We talk about it a lot as we go through the scriptures, obviously. Go to that cross bearing your sin and mine, bearing the sin of the world as the Lamb of God that we might have the opportunity as we place our faith and trust in Jesus as the Son of God, as the Messiah, as the Savior, as the Lamb of God, placing our faith in Him that our own sins might be removed. Removed from us as far as the east is from the west, as Isaiah writes. And receive a cloak of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, that we can stand in the presence of God. That's our hope. That's our future. The following verses, 15 through 20. Here we see the response of the shepherds to the word from the angel. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. You know, they're saying, man, he's brought this announcement to us. Let's go check it out. Let's go see him. And he, uh, they go on in the verse 16, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. That makes me think of the song that we just sang, Mary, Did You Know? She kept these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Their first response is they went into Bethlehem, found this stable, 
found the manger in which this, this baby Jesus was laid, and they worshipped him. And then from that point on, they just made known far and wide. They, 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 they made widely known the saying that was told them. Everything that the angel told them, they made known to everyone that this, that, that the Christ had been born. And people were just marveling as they were hearing of their experience. You know, they wouldn't just simply say that the Christ was born, but they would talk about the appearance of the angel and then the host of angels and, and all that they experienced and the, then the reality of what had taken place. The question for us might be this. Are we doing the same? Are we making widely known the truth of Jesus? Are we making it widely known in our, own, in our own sphere of influence? Do we let people know about who this baby Jesus is? You know, and, and we have our sayings, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season, and let's keep Christ and Christmas and all, which we need to do, of course. But, you know, I mean, Christmas is a wonderful opportunity, the, the Christmas season, to talk about this. And, and, and the response of the shepherds was incredible, even closing with verse 20. You know, not only did they go and, and see him, as the angel had said, uh, they, they, they made it widely known of their experience and, and who this baby actually is. And then we see that they returned to the fields, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And guys, th that, those words, as it was told them, are pretty important. Because we receive a lot of information in the Word of God as we read, as the Scripture says, as the Bible says, as, as is told us. And as we believe it, we begin to experience the truth of what is said, the truth of what is written for us. You know, I love to see those passages in the scriptures where God speaks to somebody, whether through a prophet or through an angel or, or directly or through the scriptures. And then there's a response. Then, you know, the Lord says, go. The Lord tells Abraham, go. So he went. You know, that, those kinds of things. Just love to see those kinds of things. Now, let's continue on here in chapter 2, skipping down to verse 25. We're going to look at another individual by the name of Simeon. We're going to read verses 25 to 35. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been re revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. In other words, the, the Spirit led him into the temple at this precise time. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took, up, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation 
But you have prepared before the face of all peoples a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Now, Mary and Joseph were just keeping the, 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 uh, the uh, Mosaic law in regard to the, 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 the offerings and the sacrifices, the, 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 the thanksgiving for the child that's born. And, and Mary had to wait until she was purified from the flow of blood because of the, the birth and all of that. They had to go through those rituals. So this would have been about 40 days after Jesus' birth because he was a male, because he was a, 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 a male. Uh, for, uh, in the Mosaic Law, it's uh, twice as long for uh, baby girls for the mama to be cleansed. And why is that? I don't know, but I'm not going to comment on that at all. But that's what God said, so I'm just going to leave it there. Anyway, the point being that they were just following the law of Moses. And Simeon, a man, a man upon whom was the Holy Spirit, God had blessed him with the Holy Spirit long before the day of Pentecost in the same way that a prophet might receive the Holy Spirit or a king or a priest might receive the Holy Spirit to perform their ministry. Um, Simeon w w was there and he was promised by God that he would see the Messiah before he died. And of course, as he was led to the temple at this time, by the Holy Spirit, so that he could see that Messiah who had been born. He knew who it was right away. The Lord spoke to his heart through the Spirit. And then he speaks in verses 29 to 32 these incredible words about who this child is. And, and Joseph and, 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 and Mary were just kind of blown away by the things that he was saying. And then in verse 34 then Simeon blessed them, Mary and Joseph, and then said to Mary, Jesus' mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Her own soul will, have, will be pierced through with a sword as she watches the things take place in her son's life. Now, obviously, we think of the crucifixion, that final day of Jesus' life, that he was crucified, and the torturing, and, 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 and all of the, the mockery that took place, and the crown of thorns shoved upon his head, mocking him as a king, and, and putting that, that robe on his freshly opened up back after being uh, whipped and tortured and, and all of the blood and, and it, it horrible. Imagine watching your son have to go through that. I, I, I think that a number of years ago, it's been, I think, 18 years ago now, it's, I think it was 2004 when Mel Gibson made that movie, you know, The, um, the Passion of the Christ. I think he, he did us a big favor by allowing us to see some of those things. That's why this baby was born, to go through that. Mary, did you know? Did you know this was going to happen? Well, Simeon prophesied that indeed it would. 
Back in Matthew chapter 2, in verses 13 to 18, we see an instance in which basically the first in which we see an attempt on the life of Jesus being made. In Matthew 2, verses 13 to 18, now when they, when they had departed, this is the, 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 the wise men who had come to Jerusalem. They were directed to go to Bethlehem because of the prophecies in regard to Jesus' birth. Uh, and uh, Herod said, go, go there, and then when you find him, come back and let me know where he is so I can come worship him, worship him too. And Herod's, Herod's design was not that at all. And we'll see, we'll see proof of that in this passage. When they had departed... Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the, the young child, note, young child, not babe, but young child, and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. One of the more than 300 Old Testament prophecies that apply to Jesus that were fulfilled in his lifetime. More than 300 of them. Then Herod... When he saw that he was deceived by the wise men because they were directed by God not to go back and speak to Herod, but to go back home a different way. Herod felt like he was deceived by them. He was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under. It gives us an idea of how old Jesus was at this time according to the time which he had determined from the wise men, then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So Herod, Herod the king, this is Herod the great, was used to fulfill these prophecies in regard to this sword going through Mary's own soul. The first attempt on Jesus' life, but of course his father protected him by sending the family to Egypt until King Herod had died. One of those Old Testament prophecies is in Isaiah chapter 53, one of the more, more popular ones. I want to read the first seven verses of this particular chapter. Isaiah writes, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. We didn't value him for who he truly is. You know, how much of the world today does that? We're here today worshiping him because we do value him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried 
our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed, or we are made whole. Spiritually and in other ways as well, perhaps. Certainly, when we receive our new bodies that are fitted for eternity, that will be true physically for us at that point in time for sure. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to slaughter and as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. The words are obvious in what they relate to. The crucifixion of Jesus, the torturing and all that took place before he was actually nailed to that cross. Some of it actually applying to that. Let us keep in mind that Isaiah ministered around seven centuries before Jesus was born. 700 years. We can't even conceive of the length of that time. We can't even conceive of that. Renato mentioned earlier that 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 their mom lived to, to, to the age of 105. That's a long time to live. That's only 100 years, one-seventh of the 700-year period that we're talking about here. Not that people were living that long, but that's just the time period between when Isaiah spoke it, that Isaiah wrote it, inspired by God himself, and then 700 years later, God fulfilled it through his son. That's an amazing thing. I'd encourage you guys, brush up on these prophecies and talk to people about it. And they'll say things like, yeah, but that, who, who, you don't really know that those prophecies were written that long before. Or even if, I mean, they, they could have. And, and there's some people who say that the last part of Isaiah actually was written after Jesus was born for those very reasons. You know, it's like, well, that's simply not true. But there are excuses made so that to give, to give people some justification to not believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. There are other prophecies. We're not going to go through a lot of them. I do want to mention this. Psalm 2, verses 1 and 2, written by David. He wrote, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. That same prophecy from Psalm 2 was quoted by the, the disciples as they prayed in Acts chapter 4 after the apostles, uh, Peter and, and, and John in particular, had been threatened by the Jewish leaders. They came back together, had a prayer meeting, and in that prayer, they quoted this particular verse in regard to the plotting of the leaders, plotting a vain thing against the anointed one, against Jesus himself, the Messiah. And there has been plotting done ever since. 
because the one who is the ruler of this age, Satan himself, wants people to not believe. So the lies are told. The scriptures are twisted. They're, 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 they're claimed to mean something than what they actually say, something different than what they actually say. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. The world is lying to us. The world is lying to us. Believe what the scriptures say. And you know, something that Herod the Great attempted to do to kill the Messiah, he was unable to. But his son, some 33 years after he was born, at the age of 33, his son was able to do it. Herod Antipas, he along with Pontius Pilate, saw to it that this man was crucified, executed. You know what, guys? Jesus, knowing that all of this suffering would take place, that the crucifixion would happen, that he would die for the sins of the world, knowing the pain that he would endure, and the greatest pain of all is separation from his Father because our sins are upon him, Knowing all that would happen, he willingly went through it. Paul David Tripp, in his book, in his devotional, New Morning Mercies, this past week, this is one of the excerpts from one of those days. He wrote this, The Messiah is not born in a palace, but in a stable. He lives his life as a pilgrim, denied a small luxury even animals enjoy, a home. He talked about how the birds of the air have their nest, right? Foxes have a hole. He didn't have a place to lay his head. He is despised and rejected, then subjected to a bloody and painful public crucifixion. And he does it all intentionally and willingly so that those rebels will be forgiven. We're included in those rebels so that those separated from God will have a home with him forever. He willingly lived a life with no home so that we would have an eternal home with God himself. I love the way that, that Tripp writes this. And so that grace will be supplied to people in desperate need of it. Jesus willingly went. Galatians 1.4, the Apostle Paul writes that Jesus gave himself. He gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God, the Father. You guys notice how evil this age is that we're living in? So much evil and so much wickedness. Jesus died for us to deliver us from this present evil age. Then further on in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul wrote this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What a beautiful verse that is. Let's not leave that as from the heart of Paul. Let's own this verse for ourselves. He loved me and gave himself for me. He loved you and gave himself for you that you might live 
a life eternally with and in the presence of God. The glorious announcement about the birth of the Messiah, who would later give his life for you and me. We, we talk about the, 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 the murder of Jesus on that cross. And from the perspective of those who executed him, it was murder because they had no just cause to do it, right? But there's something deeper than that. He gave himself. He wasn't forced to that cross unwillingly. I mentioned the passage, or the... the uh, um, the movie of the Christ, the passion. passion. I was going to say passage, the passion of the Christ. One of the scenes I love in that movie, and you guys may remember this, maybe not, but when Jesus finally got to Golgotha, he fell, the cross fell with him. The cross was laying there. And you see Jesus, tortured and beaten up and half dead already, crawling to that cross to lay himself upon it so that they can nail him to it. You guys remember that? That is one of the most tenderest scenes. But that very well depicts the reality of Jesus' willingness to die for you and for me. So when we think about Christmas, when we celebrate Christmas today, when we go home and open the gifts, maybe some of you guys have already done that. Let's not ever forget the greatest gift that ever could be given, the reality that Jesus gave himself for you and for me. And Father, I pray that you would have your way in our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, God, for the reality of these truths that we see in the scriptures, so many more. We just don't have time to look at them today. But I pray that each of us as your children, as, as your followers, as disciples of, of you, Lord Jesus, that we would look these things up, that we would simply be encouraged and inspired by them. And God, might we celebrate the most precious gift ever, ever, you, Lord Jesus. And might we humbly bow before you. Might we humbly worship you. Might we praise you from the depths of our being for who you are and all that you have done. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Appreciate that, guys. What a beautiful day, Christmas, the coming of the Messiah. Let's never forget the meaning of it, guys. Let's celebrate Him. Let's celebrate life. Let's celebrate giving gifts. And have a wonderful, blessed, worshipful, praise-filled day. God bless you guys.